You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. I am Cody. I'm Lou. And I'm Brian. And this is Enemy of My Enemy, where you get left, right, and centered with ten perspectives all in the same place on some of the hottest issues and uh, current events of the day. Today, uh, more Afghanistan, which I, I, I would be bored of it too. I understand. You do two episodes in a row and they're both about the same thing and you're like, oh my gosh, you gotta be kidding me. But here is the deal. There is more to Afghanistan than I thought. Every day since... We did our last podcast about the withdrawal from Afghanistan. There was something that somebody in our group shared that I hadn't seen before, which me and I and I'm usually pretty good at keeping up with the news, which means it's probably something that you all haven't seen before either. And even if you have, it's good for it to be discussed and analyzed and and all that jazz. So welcome to the show. I wish we, uh, you know, next week we'll probably be on to maybe our happier subject. Uh, well, we're libertarians. We're never happy. We don't. We're libertarians in a non-libertarian world. That's just the way it is. But uh, at least it's a subject that's not people getting blown uh, to bits and um, future people getting blown to bits. Because it turns out with the way we've we've done our withdrawal here, that certainly makes it possible. One of the things we wanted to do today was break down some of President Biden's remarks um, regarding. Uh, of course, he he famously was like, we're not going to issue a statement. And then everybody was like, what? Like, even Trump showed his face during his big L's. Like, at least show your face and declare a fake win or something. But he had a change of heart uh, when the, when the uh, public opinion didn't seem to go his way and did decide to do a press conference on it. And so we are going to break down what that press conference looked like. And I am going to hit the play button. So... Um, you may have seen this already. It's a brief little 30-minute video, but we're going to kind of listen to, uh, very, as, with as much disrespect as possible, we're going Tough to day. listen to what he had to say. <laughs> disrespect. Um, so, yeah. Seen in Kabul, as you all know. Tough day. Terrorists mm -hmm. attacked that we've been talking about, worried about, that the intelligence community has assessed, uh, has undertaken... <clears throat> An attack by a group known as ISIS-K <clears throat> took the lives of American service members standing guard at the airport 
and wounded several others seriously. He had also wounded a number of civilians and civilians were killed as well. Uh, I've been engaged all day. At the time, he doesn't know this, but it's 13 American contact. servicemen and then the they're still counting, but 70 plus uh, other civilians. As well as in Afghanistan yeah. and uh, Doha. And uh, my commanders here in Washington in the field have been on this with great detail and you've had a chance to speak to some so far. You can tell he's not a podcaster. The situation on the ground is, is still evolving, and I'm constantly being updated. Well, he's not on this podcast. I'm, not, I'm not interrupting him. Oh, wait, now I am. Yep. It's <laughs> an overused word, but it's totally appropriate here. We're heroes. Heroes who've been engaged in a dangerous, selfless mission. Somebody's so young, to too. So sad. Others. Yeah. The average the age was 22. Yeah, like of the pers pers people who died. Yeah, yeah, uh, of our side. That doesn't include the women and children and everybody else that was killed. That was just standing there trying to get in. American partners, Afghans who helped us, and others taken to safety in the last 11 days. Now he really cares about those Afghan allies. The last 12 That's good. hours or so, another 7,000 have gotten out. Yeah. They were part of the bravest, most capable, the most selfless military on the face of the earth. Yeah. And they're part of simply what I call the backbone of America. They're the spine of America. The best the country has to offer. Mm -hmm. Jill and I, our hearts ache, like I'm sure all of you do as well. For all those Afghan families who lost loved ones, including small children, been wounded in this vicious attack and we're outraged as well as heartbroken <clears throat> being the father of a army major who served for a year in iraq and before that was in kosovo as a u.s attorney for the better part of six months in the middle of a war when he came home after a year in, a, in iraq was diagnosed, like many, many coming home, with an aggressive and lethal cancer of the brain. We lost. We have some sense, like many of you do, what the families of these brave heroes are feeling today. You get this feeling like you're being sucked into a black hole in the middle of your chest. There's no way out. Can we pause here for just yep. a moment? Yeah. So this particular instance is very twofold for me because this is one of the most human moments I have truly seen from Biden. And I, like, as a parent, like, I felt that he was really, you know, reconnecting with his own grief. And, and, and that was very human and very genuine. But at the same time, I do feel there's a level of inappropriateness to a I know how you feel kind of response, particularly when you are the commander in chief who put those young men and women in that position to be killed. 
when, you know, and he previously he talked about, you know, we were very aware of these potential threats, but it still happened. Like the security around Kabul airport was such a clusterfuck. Um, and if they, you know, as much as they knew and as bad as it was, I, I just think it was in very poor form to have a, to be one, have one of those, like, I know how you feel moments. Mm -hmm. Although at the same time, like it, it was a truly genuine human moment from Biden. And I can't, I can't imagine like how that feels. And, and, you know, the way he describes being sucked into a black hole in your chest, like, like just seeing my kids sick. I feel that way. Like I couldn't even imagine, you know? Yeah. So it's it, one, it's one of those, like, you may be correct about the description, maybe not very timely about it, I guess. When, uh, correct. when you're like, it's like if I were a football coach and one of the kids died of, uh, you know, sunstroke during our, the workouts I was giving them. And then I was like, Oh yeah, I've had a family member die of sunstroke. It's like, okay. Yeah. Like, and I'm glad you understand that it feels sad and I get, and you seem to describe the feeling that I'm going through pretty well, but you still, you, you still did it, right? Like you still did the thing. So. Right. And then yeah, as one of our commenters here said, this is not the time for Biden to talk about his own grief. And I, and yeah. I agree. Yeah. Um, it's just not. Yeah. It, you know, the thing is, this, it's very easy to fall into it, um, but there's a couple of differences. And I, and I don't want to be nitpicky on it because when you lose a child, I, I thankfully have not gone through that and hopefully never will. Um, but it, it's a black hole from everyone that I know has had happen. Yeah. But there's a bit of a difference, I want to say. And as the president of the United States probably should say is that, you know, I, I know what it's like to lose a child. But it's it's even more heartbreaking when they're just beginning their lives, their adult lives. Mm -hmm. uh, they've put the trust in us to serve this country and to put them in the best position possible to keep them safe. And unfortunately, 13 of them have unfortunately had to make the ultimate sacrifice in trying to rescue all these people out of Afghanistan. Um, this is not hard for the White House press corps, or, or I mean, this is speech writers to write up and try to right. steer them in a direction. Um, it seems how I just did that off the cuff. So either I need a job at the White House <laughs> speech writing team, right. or right. or at least that at least somebody's just not getting through to him. Yeah, um, I, I do think in that moment, yeah. and you can kind of see the shift from like he's reading to he went off script, and this was yeah. a very yeah. personal moment. So yeah. like I don't know that it mattered what. Um, you know what anybody would have written for him there yeah he was gonna go off script um but yeah well wait a minute i thought I that's why we got rid of trump because trump would go there's no script for trump i thought that's the whole reason we elected by no <laughs> i i feel terrible for him and, and I, as you I said Lou, it, it's awful it is it is terrible but unfortunately this is this gets back to when it was going to be we're going to be out on 9 11 oh wait we're going to make it august 31st and it's a hard date you know, that's like that's like saying that, you know what, we're going away on vacation to your teenagers and they have a keg sitting outside the house. And no matter what, you're leaving. Oh, well, we got to leave. And the kids are sitting there going, all right, time to go. Time to yeah. go. <laughs> <laughs> right. So it, it's it's but that's exactly what's going on. And yeah, I, I guess 
we we can we can dissect this, and I and I hate to do that on, on off the cuff, cuff statements like this. But he is the president of the United States. So. Yeah, like. Yeah, there's there's plenty of there's plenty of slam dunks we can make on Biden. We should probably tiptoe gently around his his personal grief, even if it's an appropriate time. That's something I could be like, hey, I totally get that. Right. I, I, I kind of feel that way, kind of with like the whole Hunter Biden thing. Like this was the problem with the war on drugs. I don't want to take him to task for letting Hunter Biden know he's loved, keeping him at home, helping him out, shoving, you know, opportunities down his throat, because that's yeah. what I think parents should do. Like, you know, like if they're trying to help, I guess it differs obviously kid to kid, but if that's, what's going to help your kid, absolutely. My issue was that he did that and then still supported the drug war. Like while that was happening, still was like, I'm going to lock up your kid. I mean, the statements he made, I mean, just talking about how like, you know, that way they're far (laughs) away from their mothers and your mother and, and and you're just like, dude, literally while you're giving the speech to Congress about how like the Republicans are keeping you from pushing for the death penalty for drug addicts. Right. You're over here yeah. with your kid at home. Like, so mm-hmm. it's like, you, like on one hand, I'm not trying to take advantage of your grief, but like, you need to put that grief into action. You know, like that's, I'm not saying, I'm not saying you're like faking your emotions. It sounds like you're really going through it, but you, at some point you got to be like, all right. And then my number one priority is to make sure nobody else goes through that either. You know, and, and I, I find that there's a lot of parallels between this and Afghanistan. Um, I'll let him continue speaking for himself. I know this. We have a continuing obligation, <clears throat> a sacred obligation to all of you, families of those heroes. That obligation is not temporary. It lasts forever. The lives we lost today were lives given in the service of liberty the service of security, in the service of others, in the service of America. Like their fellow brothers and sisters in arms who died defending our vision and our values in the struggle against terrorism, of the fall on this day, they're part of a great and noble company of American heroes. To those who carried out this attack, as well as anyone who wishes America harm, know this, we will not forgive. We will not forget. We will hunt you down and make you pay. I will defend our interests and our people with every measure at my command. It's got a lot of measures at his command, Over by the, the way. Over the past yeah. few weeks. <clears throat> right. I know you're, many of you are probably tired of hearing me say it. We've been made aware by our intelligence community that the ISIS-K, an arch enemy of the Taliban, people who were freed when both those prisons were opened, has been planning a complex set of attacks on the United States personnel and others. This is why, from the outset, I've repeatedly said this mission was extraordinarily dangerous and on why I've been so determined to limit the duration of this mission. He did, but he also said he thought it would succeed. That we were going to win, that the Taliban wasn't even going to take over at all. Right. He was talking out of both sides of his mouth here. You know, from one minute to the next, it's, you know, we're ending the war. We're not going to do any more violence, blah, blah, blah. And the next is... 
we're coming to basically blow you all to smithereens. Yeah. So. And, and and that's the whole thing about it is we're, we're going right back to droning, which don't get me wrong. I, I, I get it. You know, in some cases that may be the, um, you know, maybe it, um, that might be the only way we can take out, you know, we, if we know where these people are. But once again, the, the big problem we've been having with drone strikes is that it all the collateral damage. And even this most recent one here yeah. is now saying there were civilian casualties, even with the new special hellfire missile that we uh, that we built that doesn't explode. It's just a kinetic impactor with a with a uh, lot of knives in it, apparently. It's, yeah, yeah. I was gonna I was gonna get into this at some point anyway. We can confirm three children died. They're still working on other casualties in the area. And the drone hit it in the middle of a neighborhood. Yeah. We believe that the truck was on its way, you know, from a headquarters location to Kabul. And that's the, okay, but man, there's there there they the showed it on a map, and there's just so much space that to hit it without being in the middle of the city. And I understand not everything works out perfectly and the drone maybe was just in the right place at the right time. But it's just when you see that smoking city and you're like, oh, oh, we did that? You're like, oh, yuck. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, so there were, um, there's actually, you know, I have found that like, especially in the last probably 24 hours or so, like US reporting of what's going on in the ground has gotten real quiet. But if you go and look at like Australian news and mm -hmm. and um, other okay. outlets, like, their yep. news from the ground um there's a lot more detail and their actual photos and video from the ground like after the drone strike and granted it's very clear that like the drone strike hit directly on the vehicle which i mean that's nice but it's literally parked in a driveway and if you know like kind of what those cities look like and particularly in neighborhoods they're like really small driveways and then a house like right there yeah. And, you know, you can see plants out on these balconies of these people's homes and children. And according to the Australian report, there were six confirmed children killed. Uh. Um, and while, you know, the drone strike itself is not explosive, when you're targeting a vehicle full of explosives, what the hell do you think is going to happen? And when it's literally inches from the wall of a civilian's home, what do you expect is going to happen? Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, it, it's... Our senior military leaders, and I mean constant. Common sense. Yeah. And our commanders but, on the ground throughout the day. But, they made it clear that we can... Sorry, go ahead, Brian. The, the senior military leaders who either said, yep, we're going by what the president said, and we're going to do it come hell or high water, or we're too afraid to go back to him and say... This is insane. You've set us up for failure. And and this is what you're going to be leaving behind very quickly. Uh -huh. So I, it's just. Well, the it, one military it, officer who uh, was just relieved of duty for speaking out and saying exactly that. And, and technically that is correct. That That's technically they get real touchy about that. You, you want to unify oh, yeah. the military. I get it. I should have handled it through his chin. Like, I'm probably going to get booted for this, and I don't oh, care yeah. because He's someone gone. needs to say something. It's, yeah, it, like, it's a, it's unfortunate. But I mean, he risked his career. Yeah. I applaud him for risking his career. I like whistleblowers. Unfortunately, the Biden and Trump and Obama and Bush administration has slightly yeah, different going, viewpoint yeah. of that. <laughs> yeah, slightly, slightly. Yeah. And the thing is, this we probably wouldn't known any of this if 
it wasn't for not only Snowden, but for um, for all the other uh, whistleblowers we had with uh, Reality Winner and um, with, I can't think of what her name is now, I'm sorry, um, the the one. Um, Chelsea Manning? Chelsea Manning, thank you. Yeah. Try to remember what the <laughs> I mean, no yeah, but Chelsea May and others who have uh, risked their who have risked jail time careers, things like that, yeah. to leak that. Hey, look, we're doing terrible things here. So right, exactly, and I, you know, the entire thing is just insanity to me. No. Yeah, I mean, if it's one thing to like, we're using the same laws that it's like had they leaked nuclear launch codes to punish them, and it's just. Yep. Goes to show there's not a lot of common sense here. I'll let him. Uh, I'll let him keep talking at both sides of his mouth. Lou, I I, I like that you put it that way because it's mission, like, oh, really sorry about the Syrian kids. Oh, by the way, we just killed do. another six of them. Like, I just we yeah. will not be deterred by terrorists. Hardy, we lost we the video. Not let them stop our mission. Oh, no problem. I just forgot to go back and forth. There we go. <laughs> and here we are. We will continue the evacuation. I've also ordered my commanders to develop operational plans to strike ISIS-K assets, leadership, and facilities. We will respond with force and precision at our time, at the place we choose, in the moment of our choosing. Yeah, withdraw, but still blow them up. Okay. Right. That's what you need to know. A lot of Somalia overtones there, right, Brian? Win. We will rescue the Americans. Ooh. We will get our Afghan allies. <laughs> I like that promise. Is that why special forces like went against? Is that why special forces teams that were contractors went against what the U.S. government told them to do and went and rescued all the Afghani special forces people and their families? Is that the is that the order he gave? Right, exactly. Not to mention, like, you know, one minute he's talking about how we're working with the Taliban to go through this process to get these people out. And then you've got the Taliban issuing statements saying we're not letting Afghani civilians leave, like regardless yeah. if they worked with you or not. Like, you know, and they try to make it sound like, oh, we want the educated and the yeah. academics and the doctors to stay and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Meanwhile, they're literally banging down doors and killing people. Uh, the folk and they're singer. using our technology to confirm who they are yeah the biometric uh, readers that we left behind that had all of those people and we were discussing that in another group chat it was I just like to make sure this, this is on my like three things i want to discuss yep. during this so now's probably a good time good let's yeah, 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 I, I, let's yeah. Jump in. yeah. biden's boring me <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh surprise surprise there so we have um and and this was first leaked by the new york post which i understand has a little bit of conservative leaning so i went ahead this was verified by The Intercept and Independent UK. Uh, I've looked at a couple different different sources here. Um, but what we had was this: these devices. Um, they have they both have an the system has an acronym and the handheld device is called an act an acronym. I am forgetting both right now. I will. The system is called the ABIS A A B I S. Um, it, they have Afghanistan biometric data. I had no idea it was this extensive. But it's apparently got the information of 80% of the country, the whole country on this system. And I did not th I did not know until this week this was going down. But there are good reporters that are better than me that were like, oh, my gosh, for like literally for the last five years, we're like they keep taking like they pull a civilian aside. They're swabbing their DNA, uploading the information, retina scans, fingerprints and actual full on DNA swabs, putting it into this database 
keeping track of them. And unfortunately, and in that database, that this Abyss database, we listed whether these people are, are, are on our side or helping us out if they're normal civilians. Um, and that's what we've been uploading to it. The devices are called Hide, H-I-I-D-E. So we got Abyss with two A's and Hide with two I's into these Hide devices. And it appears um, that they that they have access, that the Taliban has gained access to a Hide device. Um, apparently, they are not password protected, which I don't, I, 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 I don't. I don't, I don't even know what to say. I mean, I just, that's so dumb. So they have access to a high device and are able now, they have access to 80% of the population's information as well as exactly which ones have been helping us. So all they have to do is, hey, stare into this real quick. Oh, is this your fingerprint? Press, press your finger onto this device real quick. Oh, you were one of the ones helping the United States. Now you're dead. And that yeah. has been, um, that's been an ongoing story. It is somewhat new. They, I, the reason this was kind of questionable at first is because they were kind of the ones that first broke the story by bragging that they have access to one. But the more information that has come out, it appears that this is likely the case that they do have right. have access to at least one. And um, that I, I mean, and frankly, with the way they've been executing people, uh, it it seems to be the case that they at least have some information on who has been helping helping the United States during this time. Right, um, and some of the. Yeah. Uh, some of what I've been reading about, like how they have access. So you, you talked about how they're not ex not password protected or or what have you. Um, in some cases, some of the, some of the reports are that they are biometric protected, and so that some of the people who do have access to these through their fingerprints, whatever, however they're using it, or through cat yeah. cards, um, which the military often uses for their secure devices. Um, they've just got access to cards or the right people, or, you know, if they've got it open and on and running, they can use it basically as long as, you know, if you steal someone's phone and it's unlocked, as long as you keep it unlocked, you're good. Right. Right. Yes. Or the phone turns off, then you're it's, it's toast. Right. right? You get one person to give you a code and so you're like, okay, well we're in business. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And, and to, to my understanding from, and I'm obviously like on a technical level, I'm not relaying that very well. However, um, right. that's the understanding that I got through a lot of what we're reading. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, apparently there's, there's an issue with the video Are people saying they can't, can't see the video. There was a dispute, so we'll just we'll just keep going. So we're good. Okay, just a dispute like a YouTube dispute, like saying we can't. Uh, yeah, do yeah, yeah. So somebody's oh, telling me. Oh, we're showing. Okay, so we can't show the video because YouTube is like this is our video or something. Uh, somebody okay. put a claim in automated, but that's okay. We can still sit here and have plenty to talk about about Biden and Afghanistan and oh yeah, for everyone sure. who is everyone. And, and the thing is, is I want to make one thing clear on this. This is not all Joe Biden's fault. Joe Biden didn't oh, God, walk yeah. in, didn't didn't walk in and go, you know what? I want you just to get the hell out. I don't care what you leave behind. I don't care what you do. Just get the hell out. Yeah. Um, that's never been the case. What what has been the case though is, again, political leadership, which is a good thing to have for the military, has set uh, a, a standards that are not obtainable and frankly we're very short-sighted 
Uh, we're going to yeah. be out by X date. We're going to be out by, you know, this, you know, uh, again, these are things that you just, if, if you know, I mean, it, this isn't, this isn't, you know, the art of the deal and this isn't, you know, Hey, CNN's going to love this. This is a, we will leave right. on these time on these time frames, And if these things happen, which please, I don't want, I don't want to stay in there a second longer, but right. we need to make sure that we can get the people out and support everything, every mess that we've made. So yeah, I find that really interesting because, you know, that's later on in this interview, Biden goes on. And I, I think it's in one of the the questions that he gets asked about. And, and then he turns and then asks the reporter, well, isn't it true that Trump made a deal with the Taliban that they wouldn't harm any of our people as long as we were out by May 1? OK, well, it's August, bro. And you've been in office since January. Like, if that was a deal and we had legitimately not had any casualties of our people in Afghanistan by the Taliban since February of 2020, and Trump supposedly made this deal that, you know, hey, we're not going to cause any problems as long as you're out by May 1. Then why the fuck were we not out by May 1? And then Biden continued to try to negotiate to push this past the the end of august and then when the taliban was like no like we have waited long enough get out you know and then we've got an isis k attack and the taliban's like "Eh, they're not gonna protect us like isis k and taliban have their own issues right but they both hate us and we've already overstayed our welcome we have already gone back on all the promises we supposedly made to them you know that whatever deal Trump made. And I want to be real clear to people. Like I am not saying like Trump was great. I don't like Trump. I was never a fan, but you can't blame Trump. If you negotiated to try to extend this when we had no casualties and now we have 13 dead service members under your watch because you kept trying to push this back. Why? Uh uh, yeah, I, I think this was all just to reiterate your point here, Lou, because I'm going to do a little more than that. I think it's well made. The This is Biden's responsibility because it, now I don't I hate that Trump kicked this down the road for Biden to take care of. Like, absolutely. You should have taken care of this yourself. You say, oh, I have this deal that my next guy is going to have to take care of. Well, isn't that convenient? Right. Like, so Trump, you're a coward for making this somebody else's problem. Um, as far as Biden's, though, this is 100 percent Biden's date. Because what he said is, I can't do the Trump date. I can do this date. And the Taliban said, yes. Like, they, like so when you have that agreement and then you don't, everybody's looking at this. And this is the third and final thing I wanted to get over to get into today. They have an arsenal now. I mean, the, the sources coming out of, and they're combined, but they're combined equipment between U.S. equipment, Australian equipment, American equipment and all that stuff. But I mean, we're talking we're talking tanks, we're talking helicopters, you know, like, and not just like, a, like, it's more than what you think. I think the initial reports were like, oh, they have like nine of these helicopters. And you're like, well, that's really bad. And it is like nine of those helicopters are there. Those are deadly things. Those in that region can do a lot of damage. There's a good reason that was a big story. But then like, the more I see these sources, the more I'm like, wait, over a hundred of these armored tanks, over a certain amount of Humvees, tens of thousands of AK-47s. Over I mean, 20,000 Humvees. Yeah, <laughs> that's, it's absurd, as well as $2 trillion worth of infrastructure. Thank you very much. But this is all that we're leaving over there. And none of this was being withdrawn 
by our prior release date. So you wonder why the Taliban is so like, no, we're not negotiating the date again. We didn't make any attempts. We made zero effort to to move. And yeah. so they're just like, okay, well, why am I going to extend your day? It's like, it's like, like there's no good faith. Yes. Yeah. Teachers are usually willing to work with you if you're like, I'm so close to this assignment. I'm sorry I'm not done on time, but look how much progress I've made versus like, I didn't do any of it. Can I have like a deadline extension? Right. Like, yeah, there's a different mentality there. Go ahead, Brent. Well, it just comes up to show. It's like, you know what? I don't have to go to school. So if I just stay in bed and just go ahead and just keep going, oh, I don't feel so good. It's like a seven-year-old trying to get out of going to school all of a sudden. Now, oh, oh, you're you're going. It's it's a oh, I'm not trusted. I've had breakfast. Guess what? You're going to school without all of it. You're not going <laughs> to take your Humvee, and you're not going to be able to take your Blackhawk helicopter. Now, I haven't watched the video yet, but I'm 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 seeing that the uh, Taliban tried taking a Blackhawk out, and I did see a great meme on 8:03 a.m. Google, how do I fly a Black Hawk helicopter <laughs> at 17 a.m.? How do I fix a Black Hawk helicopter? <laughs> right. I mean, one thing we know from 9-11 is that they may have learned how to fly planes, but they sure shit didn't learn how to land them. Right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. oh no. Oh, too soon? Oh, gosh. Yeah. No, like... no it's, it was the truth. It, it, <laughs> when they were doing flight training uh, for 9-11, um, the guys weren't at all interested in landing. They were just interested yeah. in, okay, if I'm flying, okay, this is how I, how can I turn off the autopilot? How can I change the altitude? But that gets into the whole how we could have prevented 9-11. If the federal agencies we all love and trust uh, had maybe done a better job sharing information and not been just, oh, they're just a bunch of idiots over there. Don't tell them anything. Right. Yeah. You know, which I actually is interesting to me. I After the fact, a good friend of mine who has since passed away, he actually did. He was a, a Department of Defense contractor. And part of what he worked on was that communication system between agencies um so yeah. it's there it's better now yeah um, oh yeah obviously yeah. lesson learned but at the yeah. time yeah they they went from we're not sharing information to we're going to share everything we ever possibly knew and the things we're not even supposed to know about our own you know u.s population what was the fbi list that was going around 1.9 million extremists I bet the, we're on that list, y'all. Yeah, I, I was like, I was going, is that, is that list available? Can you look up a really weird last name begins with a W? <laughs> <laughs> it's it, uh, the 1.9, th there was a uh, million. It, there was a lot of ado made about that because that's the same number of people who like voted for Joe Jorgensen, right? Isn't that the, uh, <laughs> it, so that's kind of, so they're kind of like, how'd you come up with that new 1.9 million people? Oh, okay, I'm yeah. kind of proud of that, actually. Yeah, kind of it's... Awesome. <laughs> There you go. I mean, you know, and, and, and I mean, to go further on this topic, like what's a terrorist? I mean, they even have that infographic on TV where they're like, anybody who celebrates religious holidays, right? Like is one of the things that's yeah. like, might be a terrorist. And I'm like, yes, I am sure that, that celebrating a religious holiday, if you've ever celebrated Christmas in America, you're an extremist. You're a terrorist. I mean, this wasn't just extremist. This was terrorist. Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute here. I am gonna pick. I'm gonna nitpick a little bit here. Um, a rabbit that hides eggs so children can go find them and eat candy out of them. That sounds like the terrorist to me. Sorry. Totally. Anybody who gives children candy is clearly a terrorist. No, no, because that means grandparents don't have any leverage against children, so adult <laughs> children. 
<laughs> Anybody who makes their main colors pastel blue, pink, and yellow, probably a terrorist. Right? Probably, yes. That's a that's not not good. <laughs> that sounds transphobic to me. Oh well, yeah. accidental accidental transphobia, yeah, yeah. I guess. This is I, I could work for the government. I mean, with how good I'm doing this. Uh it's <laughs> You know, I, I, and I mean, to finish the point, the thing is, is while this is on Trump for all four of those years that we were in there, yes. this was Biden's date and he made zero effort to hit it. I mean, it's just and so when you got to negotiate, you got to say, OK, I'm going to negotiate on my terms. They were willing to work with you. I hate the Taliban for a lot of things. Um but and and this might be a different story had that had had this been Trump's original date and he not done it in time, I would probably spend fifty percent of this blame on Trump, even with all of the the Biden mismanagement. Mm -hmm. But the fact that he got to set the date to a date of his choosing to say we will be gone by this date, it, it's this is his responsibility. This is yeah. his like this but, is on you. But if you never thought you're going to leave. If you're those military generals who are going, you know, we're never going to leave. We're going to need some of these people. We're going to need this stuff here. Just, 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 we'll tell them it can't be done and just, you know, sandbag, sandbag. And then finally Biden comes and says, no, we're leaving. It's the, oh, you know, eh, you know, oh shit, it's really happening. Yeah. Gets you this situation. So I'm still, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on blaming Biden for it, but I'm also sitting here looking at our military leadership saying, oh. you really screwed the pooch on this one. Um, right, they should what, have been better prepared. It's, 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 you know, of course we have the hindsight type of thing here, but you know, we've done, and you know, you can say, oh, well, you know, we don't retreat very often. No, we, we leave bases behind. We leave countries all the friggin' time and come, come back, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but we, we leave bases, forward operating bases, things like that all the time can secure things. Well, but yeah, we left Bagram. Yeah. Prior. That, that was a shit show in and of itself. That was so talk about much that. more secure yeah. to that would have been a safer, more secure way to get our people out. And the fact that we were using Kabul and they just shut down Bagram, like the whole thing is insane to me. And it, it makes no sense even to the leaders on the ground have said like would have been the smarter way to go but yeah landlocked country uh, leaving a secured facility who said something about them I'm trying to remember i think it was last week some guy really <laughs> handsome guy lives in huntington yeah. indiana yeah um, what was it waggle bow yeah <laughs> something like that it, 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 that's the thing i mean this this is all different if afghanistan has a seaport then the last thing you do is you just have the port there and you sailing ships and everything else can control the harbor in control but but this is a landlocked country and you've got to negotiate rights to be able to fly in over pakistan india uh china in some cases possibly um and you've got to have some sort of control over it and you've got to have a base that can be fueled taking care of everything else now the interesting thing is is that the taliban are not going to run kabul international airport i don't know if you heard this right. uh the, the turks are coming in uh, they've recognized the taliban and they're going to help them run the airport which Turkey's actually pretty good at running their uh, Istanbul, yep. I've heard. So it, it's going to be good that they run it, but I think they're going to be in for a big shock uh, taking a look at things that can and can't be done uh, inside Kabul because logistically it's going to be a nightmare probably for the next two, three years. Although I don't expect too many flights going in and out, unfortunately, especially after the 31st. 
I think one of the astounding things that that's brought about by this information that you talk about is that the inf the the intelligence was there, but the communication was not. Like like with Bagram, it's there's a bunch of intelligence, you know, people that are coming forward and they're like, this would have been the way to go. And it's like, well, why didn't we do it? And it's like, well, the Department of Defense never really they they didn't want and and big surprise that's being run by an ex Raytheon CEO who's not really big on like he, he's a corporate guy like even if even if I'm talking about like Raytheon in it for, for cronyism and whatnot like that and from what I understand does still have stock with his company even if I put all that aside he's it's running things like a business versus running things like a military like and these right. things require communication you require those perspectives you need to listen to these intelligence people and need to ask them when you simply when you're when the problem is is you formulate a plan minus your intelligence and then ask your intelligence to make that work as opposed to asking the intelligence what might work and then forming a plan based on that information there's an arrogance here that that absolutely needs to be felt and understood here by saying we made this plan without considering the smart thing to do and then just ask the people who knew the smart thing to do to go along with a plan it negates the point of the, them gathering intelligence to begin with you know for, for, and and at least you could be able to say like hey listen we had it on these great sources that that this was going to work better that this was going to work out well i mean all of it, it seems like all the intelligence says yeah we would have been able to leave in time but we were just the plan was never in place they asked me how, but they never acted on it. Like, and so that's, it's a communication thing to say like, hey, listen, if we need to evacuate by this state, what's the best way to make it happen? As opposed to them just knowing. And then that information just goes nowhere. I, I'm just so disappointed by the way the, the, the Department of Defense, I mean, even over Biden, the Department of Defense has handled this because it seems like the information was there. I mean, I'm listening to shows uh, you know, because I've been preparing for this episode and I'm not a foreign policy expert, I've been listening to some of these officials on shows like five, six months ago talking about right. this. And they're like, here's the way, here's when we need to start getting it done. You know, here, here's Bagram. Here's, here's, the, here's our exit base. Here's um, uh, Guam. Like here's some, like, here's a great like exit strategy here. And here's how we think the best way it was going to go. It's going to happen. It just, that never happened. And so when I'm able to get the information that they had the information of how to get out of there, I'm not saying that I'm smarter than every guy, but I've heard from people that are smart enough to make these decisions talk about this. I don't want to be the arrogant libertarian that talks about how I would have been able to do the best job right. in government because that's what every politician thinks. And I simply don't have all the information, but I think it's fair as a libertarian to look at the information that we have and say, this got screwed up badly because I even knew better. And it's not because of my arrogance. It's because I actually listened to the information that was out there and you did not. Right. I've gone back and read, you know, there was a memo that went out um, from the, it was the Department of Defense or Pentagon. One of them, I don't even remember now at this point because um, I've read so many different documents, but a memo that went out to the president and, you know, all of the decision makers on this that talked about what the risks are, what the dangers were, um, you know, potential threats that were very credible and then options on safe logistical ways to make an exit and to use certain paths versus others. And it was all very clear and very broken down and very logistical and they completely friggin' ignored it. And that was, you know, two, two months ago, whatever it was like. Right. Yeah. Can, can we just reflect on the point here that, 
Joe Biden had two eviction moratoriums that he lost first in the Supreme Court and the second one in Afghanistan. Ooh. Oh, oh no. <laughs> not doing so well with the uh, legality uh, in the legality department there. No, um, no, not so much. It's um it's funny, you know, with our with our weird libertarians group, we were all pretty I'll say semi united on on Trump being like the most incompetent worst president you know in, in recent memory recent yes we've had some pretty dumb ones yes i'm i'm certainly not going to put him, him up <laughs> like against, since like, carter right like I'm gonna, I'm you gonna know go carter, carter you got yeah. i mean if you were to go back you know andrew jackson obviously has some legal uh <clears throat> issues <laughs> yeah he did. right like so i don't want to say ever but i'm just gonna say as far as like recent memory like we were all pretty like oh yeah this is this is awful and i think at the same time all that whole core group of us that was like this is as bad as we've seen and the first year Biden had been like, yeah, this is worse. This is this is managed. Right. To get worse. Like it, in some like, ways, it doesn't feel worse because he's not on Twitter, like doubling down like an asshole. Yep. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, something you know, said about he's that napping in Shady Pines. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's it, it's again, the first the worst presidential candidate in recent history lost to the second worst presidential candidate in recent history, who then lost to the third worst presidential candidate in recent history. Please, anyone who's got some like modicum of common sense and just can run a very middle of the road presidency, if you're not right. busy in 2024, please could you uh put you know put your resume in? Right, like I would love yeah. a president who would just be like, um, let's just chill for a bit. A mosh, yeah. <laughs> right? Mosh and Spike. I, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I, that's, I'm, that's, I'm my, that's my that's my fanboy thing. I'm yeah. I'm with you there 100. percent Mm -hmm. Oh, Mosh Spike sounds so good right now. All right. Know. Um, you know what? I think I think we're good here. Is there anything else you want to say about Afghanistan before we go on to the Peace of My Mind segment? I just um, I want to make sure get it all out. Yeah, all I out. do. Actually, one of the, uh, you know, one of the points we hear a lot is like, you know, you get civilians out and then equipment and then the military. Right. And then the response to that a lot of time you're well a response that I've heard to that, which is actually a very legitimate response is logistically that doesn't make sense because in a place like Afghanistan, a lot of your civilians are logistical support for, and you, so they can't leave. Right. Yeah. And, and same with the equipment, like you can't take the equipment before you take like it, it there to an extent, right? Like yeah. there is a logistical, however, um, in response to that argument, and I want to say it was like, what is it, Bo the Fifth or whatever? He had a, and I really enjoy his his pieces and his response. You left libertarian, you. Good job. I know. You got to rip your know. side. You're doing great. Go ahead. I Bo know. The fifth, <laughs> um, so I actually really, really enjoy his his response to that, and and a lot of what he said was exactly that. You know, a lot of the civilians can't leave because it is a logistical. They are logistical support for our troops and this, that, and the other. And, yeah. um, however, I think what he's missing is the, the personal side or like the more human side of that. There are civilians that could have left or wanted to leave and were not given the proper, you know, warning timeframe and, and the ability to leave when they wanted to, um, as well as a lot of the, um, the Afghanistan, like the Afghani civilians, the interpreters, things like that, um, who were just interpreters or secretaries running a front desk and taking in the mail and things like that, that were not, you know, 
high ranking or defense this, that, or the other, but we're helping us as a job, you know, and they did not get the kind of support and heads up that they needed. Those are the ones that we're concerned about. Um, obviously everybody we're concerned about, but those are the ones I think that um, people like Bo the Fifth misunderstood. And yes, there will always be some equipment left behind. Like that's just the reality of every war that's ever happened. Um, but I think he is really glossing over what is being left behind and how much and how intact it truly is. Um, and, and, and some I, of the people that it will be used against are people that Bo of the Fifth Column, I imagine, would care a lot about. Exactly. And that's where that's where I'm concerned you know, is all of those people that are going to be harmed with weapons that we gave them. It's very sad. Yeah. So Brian, okay, that, was my, oh, that was my last point that I had no, really you, wanted to hit tonight. Good. I, I think it's good. Brian. Yeah. Just want to remind everyone that uh, it was about uh, five weeks ago that the house finally got around to expanding the visa program for those exact people in Afghanistan. Uh, five weeks ago yeah this should have been done a long time before that yeah and and this this lays on both parties uh once again Absolutely. Uh, it's it's ridiculous that we're, we're at this point um i i think you know kamala harris might have been the smartest person in the room who said you're not pitting this shit on me um yeah. <laughs> but uh in re in reality it's that that just we, we could have done this so much better. And I think anyone with a modicum of common sense would have said, yeah, there, there's no glaring holes here. No, no, you know, this is physically impossible. Um, yes. I would like, I would rather load in 800 civilians into a C-17 than a Humvee or two. Um, I'd rather do that. And that makes a lot more sense, but yeah, um, yeah we just, we just do this terribly. And unfortunately the people of Afghanistan are going to be the ones that pay. Yeah. The, uh, I guess for my closing, what I would like to say is I do want to make sure that libertarians especially keep, keep in focus that we are against war. I think there's a lot of – I don't want to be misconstrued with some of the conservative voices that are like, this is why we need to stay in Afghanistan. Oh, God. We no. do need to leave. It just we – do, we need to leave competently. <laughs> I mean, there, there's let, let's let's make it smart. Let's make a plan. Let's put it together. Let's execute on this plan. So I guess um, if, if I want to suggest anything, um, please it, it, and please criticize the way this is being handled. Yes. But always end with the asterisk. But we do need to leave Afghanistan like this is this is still will always be my goal. We are trying to get less entangled. A lot of these complications are, are further evidence of why we need to stop doing this and being involved in Afghanistan. We just, we're doing this in a, in a very stupid way. Right. And, yeah. and it's something that Trump did as well. We remember his dumb retreat where it's like, Oh, didn't tell the allies. Oh, they got bombed the next day. Oh, you know, it's like, well, this is, this is, this is politicians at war. Politicians are not good at war. This is right. This, they are not the right. If they're ever, if war is ever justified, politicians are really good at finding that justification. Um, and this is why they're really bad at being in charge of it. So I just, I just want to make sure that the tone stays on that because I think mm -hmm. there is a lot of libertarians are pro war now, like just because we can't be satisfied and love to complain. You know, right. uh, we have got a lot to complain about here. That's important to complain about, but we are very still much. We're very, very still. Yes. Yeah. And I'm very yeah. concerned about Biden's 
plans for the near future. Mm-hmm. Um, I am, and as you've probably seen, they're not only obviously an attempt to vac- evacuate, you know, military and civilians, this, that, the other, but they are now pulling diplomatic, um, they're, they're emptying out the embassy, like not, not only the U S embassy, but the UK's, the French, UK, pretty much Australia, anyone who is, uh, who is in there, the Aussies, uh, they're getting the I'll heck put out. money on it. Yeah, we're gonna it, blow them to smithereens. Well, that's the that's the other part about this that that really every embassy, every forward base, everything like that has a program for you know turn off the lights when you leave, and turn off the lights usually involves a lot of a lot of debt cord around various vehicles and things like that. So um, the embassies they have burn boxes ready to go. So again it's one of those things that we we just could have done so much better and it's not it's not fantasy this is this is what common sense just calls for yep yeah i mean it's it's actually one of the reasons we have so much footage of them like kind of using these helicopters is because they're an astonishment too like look this works can you believe this like they left a working one here and it's like oh my gosh no yeah but they but they just drove they literally turned they literally got the engine running <laughs> and they drove around a bunch of cars with it on the ground. (laughs) It's a a press spectacle for them. Anyhow, uh, everybody stick around. Uh, It's going to be just a couple of minutes here, and then we're going to get back into giving you a piece of our mind. We're going to talk about some other things that are not Afghanistan. So breath of fresh air coming up in just a moment. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it... A real POS. You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Everybody, thank you so much for holding on. Um, Peace of my mind, I will start here. Uh... All right, so this goes back, and I want to take a non-religious view on this one, um, even though it's there's a lot of religious stuff involved. Um, Lou and I did a great show. If you want to see our thoughts about Mormonism, um, please go back a few episodes and view that one. We, we kind of delivered, I delivered everything I kind of wanted to say in that episode. Um, Jeffrey Holland, Elder Holland, if you are an uh, LDS member, um, made a uh, speech at BYU uh, like a week ago six days ago, it looks like. And uh, in it, so this involves an earlier incident. In 2019, the valedictorian at BYU came out during his valedictorian speech. He knew it. The administration knew it. We had a copy of the speech. You know, they were like, okay, like obviously BYU being Mormon, they're not really big on homosexuality, but he was the valedictorian. It's his speech. He gave it. He earned it. He came out. There it is, right? So that that's 2019. Uh, fast forward all the way to 2021, and uh, Elder Holland uh, at BYU expressed his displeasure with the staff, therefore allowing him to come out during his then said when you know when when this clashes with um, when when church policy is is in place and nothing should clash with that, and you should. And what he's taking flack for is saying, uh, like, get your muskets out to defend church policy. And of course, when you get your muskets out to defend against somebody who is perhaps a homosexual, the implication there 
is not good. Um, now, in that same speech, and I don't want to overlook this either, because this is kind of important with the point I'm going to make, is that he says, I know people who are homosexual. We don't believe being a homosexual is sin. We simply believe acting on the urges is a sin. I, I feel for them. I understand. I struggle. Like, their struggles, I understand. Like, he did preach some good things in there. But when you have such a bad thing in there, hate is kind of one of the, it's cancer. It, 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 you give it a little bit and it just worms its way into everything. So fast forward to breaking news yesterday and we have a BYU student like talking about how um, he uses a, the gay slur uh, for a homosexual go to hell and a bunch of other people be like, Oh yeah, it's, that's in the Bible. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Aside from it not being in the Bible, as someone who uh, I have majored in theology and I've done my uh, fair share of studying and I would absolutely talk about homosexuality as it relates to the scriptures with anybody who wants to go into, as far as like deep analysis, because this gets into a lot of word parts, um, I would I would go toe to toe with anybody who is struggling to understand um, like where God is on homosexuality. Um but it's not there. And the problem is, is that you kind of create this culture of hate when you push back against something that doesn't, when you push back against love or acceptance or something that doesn't need to be pushed back against. This was his acceptance speech. The administration saw it. They said, you know what? He earned the right to be a valedictorian. Like, and so he, he gets to say what he wants and come out if he wants to. This is his moment. He's not preaching that the school is bad. He's not preaching anger and hate. He is just talking about himself and representing himself. So the issue here that I have is this is how, this is why creating a culture of love is so critical because hate doesn't need you to preach hate. It just needs you to tolerate it and give it, give it, give it a foothold and it will climb. Right. And so this is what Elder Holland did. And so now we just have a bunch of students, you know, it's become a big issue again. There's a bunch of students with unsavory videos that obviously are bad, that are fine with the gay slurs that, you know, and this is, this is the, the spark of this. Now, if you read Elder Holland's whole speech or, or listen to it, you would probably not become like some bigot, right? Like you would just, you would understand. But the thing is, is, Hate doesn't need you to pe preach bigotry. It just needs you to give bigotry a place to survive. And there are a lot of cultures like this. And this is one of the things that's happened kind of in the BYU campus, among others, is that it's it's given this foothold to survive. And I so I'm so saddened by it because it didn't need to be brought up. Like I said, this was from two years ago. He's expressing his disappointment with the staff that they would allow it. The kid earned it. And I think it's important for Mormons to recognize that they say, we need to reconcile this, that I might have problems with homosexuality. They can still be the valedictorian of a church that I support, right? Like, so you need to reconcile that there are smart people that might be homosexual, <laughs> you know? The gays like, can't be smart though. <laughs> it's yeah. something, right. And, like, and especially godly. They can't believe in God if they're believing in that they're gay. Right. Oh. <laughs> and this right. is, no, it's fine. I mean, I, I, in fact, just my closing statement on this, on this issue is that, that, that this is, this is something we need to understand why that this, where this came from. I understand we don't want to be responsible for it. This is actually something that I learned under Trump because I didn't think anything of it when he talked it, talked about it being the China virus. And there are people who immediately were going to be like, this is going to cause a hate backlash against 
you know, people of Chinese descent and actually, of course, you know, the way bigots work, anybody who looks like they're of Chinese descent, you know, so like, you know, hitting Koreans and Vietnamese and, and even if they don't look like it, that you know we're talking about very stupid people here right so uh when you when you're dealing with very stupid people they all look alike and they're all part of those chi the chinese right and this and at the time i was like you guys i i very much dislike trump but cut him some slack here like this is he did not preach go out and beat up chinese people right like that but it happened and so for me i had to come to a realization and say okay hody think about this for a moment other people called that this was going to happen and you ended up being on the wrong side of that issue. You're like, oh, come on now. Like, that's not going to happen. And so this is something that I have been developing even in myself. Like, because that's not even two years old, what I'm talking about here. This is this is a, a recent event. And now because I'm in the know, I'm more able to say, like, this is how hate gets wings. This is how you give it. This is how you feed it. This is how you give it. Uh, this is how you fan the flames. And I just, I am so, I'm saddened by it because I very much love the GSM community. I have friends that are, that are part of it. I, I hate that they feel not welcome, especially in religious circles. Um, religious doctrine is one of those that's, it's hard to debate because if God's delivered it, then the thinking's been done. This is God's decree. But there's very much a difference between God's, dec God's decree and man's decree. Um, the LDS church very famously did not allow black people in for forever. And even their own, I'm sorry, they let black people in. They did not let black people hold the priesthood for forever. Their explanation of that was that we finally changed God's mind by hollering, bickering, arguing, talking, talking about, right? Like pushing back against it. Now, here's my thing. If that's true, which I don't like that at all, but even if it's true, doesn't that encourage me then to argue bicker and talk on the behalf of gender and sexual minorities? Because if I think that they have a place here and you're saying that God's mind changed just because there was such a backlash with, with your stupid policy, doesn't that then encourage me to say, well, fine, I'm going to try to change God's mind again about gender and sexual minorities. And I, I just, this is how these hate cultures get started. You don't need to preach hate. I, I don't think the LDS Church preaches overt hate, but when you become tolerant of it, it is a cancer. I'm not saying you need to be hateful. I'm not saying you need to be outraged. I don't believe in fighting fire with fire. So if you have a bigot here, you don't need to be like you stupid bigot, bigot, whatever. I believe in fighting hate with love. When you tell somebody to get your muskets to defend this doctrine, that is not fighting hate with love. And that is what I believe that, that you should do. Um, it's a, it's a poor culture and that's kind of the explanation why that's all I had to say on that, but it was in the news. It was something, uh, here in Utah, it was something part of a faith that I'm kind of closely linked to. And so it was something I wanted to talk about, uh, thoughts from you both. Huh. As a, as a, what I like to call a FOMO, XMO, <laughs> <laughs> um, I like my first like personal experience with the Mormon faith and their perspective on the GSM community was walking into church Sunday morning. And before I could come into the chapel, I had to pass a table where they were asking us all to sign a petition um, that would, I don't remember exactly what the bill was. This was in Arkansas 15 plus years ago, um, basically to keep, uh, gay people from being able to adopt. Mm, yep. 
and I actually lost my shit right there in the lobby and was escorted out of church. <laughs> I was like, doomed, I, it was doomed from the get go for you, Lou. I just never I couldn't handle it. <laughs> I was like, "Are you kidding me?" Um, so like, and then I remember not long after that, there was actually a big to do at BYU. There were a group of guys, I think that did like, I don't know, a shirtless calendar or something. And it was for charity and this, that, do you remember that? It was probably about 15, 20 years ago now. Um, they were all graduates or they were graduating, did get like, it was done. The whole thing was done. It existed. They graduated BYU retroactively revoked their degrees i am reading that now i can't believe it wow yeah, it was men on a mission yes that's i love I, I love this being sexy dressing the calendar show those calendar cost creator his byu degree wow yeah yeah that's gonna be a fun one to, to... oh my god it was insane so, like, I my experience with the Mormon Church and and bigotry goes back quite a ways, um, and and not just bigotry. Like, I think in that case, it was more just about modesty. Like, if I remember correctly, and they took mm -hmm. away their degree. I believe they ended up getting them back. Like in the long run, I think there was a the whole big thing. But yeah, so I, you know, and I have had that same argument several times. Um, from a theological standpoint, you know, that Christianity faith um, is not against, um, sorry, my computer did something weird, is not, you know, anti-gay. Like, nowhere in the Bible is that a thing. It's anti-rape, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> right. But not anti-gay. Like, and, and so... I don't know. I feel your frustration on that issue. And it is, you know, to, to see that that is still something that is so pervasive in any Christian faith is very frustrating. And the, the line of, you know, pick up your muskets. Yeah, that's whatever your intent was. There's some incel sitting at home that's like, oh, I'm going to go shoot a gay guy now, like because the yeah. elder said so. Like, yeah. that's exactly how someone is going to take that. And that's mm -hmm. never OK. That they're they're a free organization. They can do whatever they want. Um, <laughs> I, I, I I I have no experience with the Mormon faith other than working with somebody a long time ago, and obviously the two of you. Uh, I know nothing more than magical underwear. So hey, whatever works, go for it. Um, Jesus jammies, okay. Jesus jammies. <laughs> so, but but I I will say uh, as mostly agnostic, uh, but questioning things here. I, I keep coming back to this one Bible verse, faith, hope, and love, but the most important of these is oh. Jesus, Jamie's. No, wait. Oh. Love. <laughs> love. <laughs> right, that's the one. Love. And yeah. I just, now, of course, the libertarian to me goes, you know what? You want to be an organization that's full of a bunch of, uh, you know, backwards idiots? Go for it. <laughs> uh, just don't be surprised when the people that are normal look at you and go, muskets? Really? Uh, uh, you couldn't think of like, you know, maybe like, uh, F-15s or something. I mean, you know, we we're going to go full Afghanistan, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there are so many things. And, and finally, actually, the funny part is that they convince God to change his mind. You know, if we get enough people to argue here, maybe God will give us free tacos. 
Yeah, oh. I mean, that's what we need to start doing. We need to have arguments inside the church about free taco night. Yeah. And, I also and, hate the like we complained enough and God changed his mind. Like, that, like Christian, reluctantly. I'm like, like, oh, fine. Fine. You want the game? Take them. Omnipotent <laughs> and omniscient and all knowing. And then that would not be a thing. Change God's mind or our dogma sucks and we realize we're going to get our asses handed to us. God, right. it was God. God changed yeah. his mind. Yeah. Right. So much this, for accountability this, there. Yeah, this is the problem. You know, there are, there are great things that BYU, Liberty, all these other organizations do. And yes, they hold on to some terrible ideas. But then, of course, the Taliban holds on to, like, the really terrible ideas. Yeah. But we have all, all this wrapped up in religion. And, uh, and, you know, I think 90% of your normies don't care if gay people adopt kids, you know, or if they have badges. But I will say there are a lot of them that um, in other religions that don't hold that viewpoint, but mm -hmm. they're going to get there. I mean, we, we yeah. came. It is getting better. Uh, it, it is getting way better. I never thought that gay people would be able to adopt in my, you know, in, in, at least in when we were going through the adoption process, I never thought that would happen. Uh, gay people getting married, I didn't think would happen. Here we are. It's opening up the world. The internet starting to make people realize that, these are terrible views to have, and they all come with an idea of liberty. If I want to love somebody and marry them, I should have the right to do so if they're consenting back, if they're consenting age and, and conduct. I don't want my, you know, 13-year-old granddaughter, and I don't have one there yet, um, but I don't want my future 13-year-old granddaughter to be sold off as chattel for three three goats to a 70-year-old guy to become her, her husband or her, her wife or his wife. And the irony I, is like yeah. that the LDS church was doing that not that long ago. I know. It's not that it's not that it was a long time ago. And marrying, you know, what got you remember when the goats. LDS gave up uh, polygamy was, uh, okay, you want to be a state? Fine, we'll give up polygamy. You know, it, it's. Right. It's, you know, if you have to keep convincing God, God, we really want to be a state. Can we stop like marrying like lots of women to a guy? Sure. God, these people are getting annoying. Can you just say the gays are okay? Fine, the gays are okay. So <laughs> it, it's, hey, I did that wrong. Fine, the gays are okay now. <laughs> And free tacos. That is like a slap in the face. Like, how can you call yourself a person of faith when your God is so fickle, Re reluctant to have you? Like, it changes his mind. Yeah. What the hell? What? Like, it makes no sense to me, and I, it really makes me well. Yeah, well, I mean, the whole Mormon thing doesn't make sense to me personally, you know. Hey, God said it was okay that I had sex with her because God said it was okay. Okay. It, it's religion has been used to justify all kinds of terrible things. Yeah. Um, it, it's uh, it, it has a bloody history. Uh, it, it's funny because oh, yeah. actually the, the the social Darwinists then came back with another bloody history in our last hundred years. So nobody's nobody's exempt from this. Like all, all the theocratic yeah. nut jobs have have abused politics and murder as much as they can. It, this is purely. I'm just making a statement about culture with this one. Uh, Brian, you are correct. I'm not trying to like legalize or like I'm not trying to make BYU illegal. Right. But I do want people to like either do one of two things, and I'm cool with either one. Try to change it or take off. Like yeah. I, I think that that's when you see a toxic culture happening. 
you've got to do both of those things. I mean, we do mm -hmm. that with the Liberty movement all the time. The reason I use this, this kind of, tan it, it, it's an ex it's an outside example of our libertarian podcast, but the reason I use it is it just, it very much encapsulates what to look out for with that culture. You can look to that example and say, okay, those were humans. We're humans here in the Liberty movement too. These are the types of things that can be taken and used to kind of create a toxic atmosphere. We need to learn from those and make sure that we're not doing those same things. And the final thing I'll say about it is any, any thought, any process that you think is everybody should live their lives this way is probably going to lead you down a really terrible road in the end. Yeah. So whether that is God, uh, uh, Jesus jammies, uh, little red book, uh, God told me that if you go blow up a bunch of, of infidels, you get 78, 78 and a half virgins, whatever the numbers are. Um, but if your viewpoint is that we have to force everybody on this viewpoint to make humanity better, you're probably wrong. So, um, please, you know, if you want to have your own little cult that goes over there and worships snakes and Jesus jammies and lots of, uh, you know, <laughs> thinking of getting virgins when you go to heaven, I never got that one either. Just the, what I want is a lot of inexperienced, yeah, right. and whatever. It's, it's, right. I, I don't, it's, it sounds like, you know, this was written by a guy who never got laid, but that's a different <laughs> story. <laughs> It's actually written by somebody who got laid a lot, but not no, he did. But no, it's yeah. it's like it's like do you, did you never get laid, or are you into that whole Andrew Cuomo? Oh no, I can't say that. Yeah. Don't say that. Don't say that. <laughs> that. That's a rough comparison right there. But yeah, uh, um, it, yeah, I, I, I'm I, I'm very saddened by it. Obviously, I'm glad that I'm out. But it is one of those that I do think, yeah, let's let's keep fighting against stuff like that. When you see somebody spouting something toxic, either take off or push back against it. Um, in this case, you know, I think I can do a little bit of both. Um, Lou, why don't we go with a piece of your mind a little bit? Uh, it has to do with a lot of the location you're broadcasting from today. Yes, as you can see, I am in my lovely bed this evening. Um, so I, I've typically been non-vocal about vaccines. Um, you know, if you want to get it, I think you should get it. If you don't, that's cool. Like, regardless of what your position is, I think everyone should be respectful. You know, if, if you don't feel good, stay home, wear a mask. You know, if someone says, Hey, please wear a mask in my establishment, you should respect that. If you don't want to wear a mask, cool. Go places. You don't need to wear a mask. Like there's no need to be a jerk. You know, my life motto, don't be a dick. <laughs> um, and it's very much a personal choice, right? Um, I, I don't think there should be mandates um, because mandates are one size fits all. And I am an, a prime example of how one size does not fit all. Um, I'm very pro-science. I've never been on the side of like anti-vax in general. Like I think a lot of it's just hokey and nonsense and like I'm I'm pretty clear about that but like hey if that's your thing I don't really care like you're concerned about your body that's your choice right yeah um so I chose to after you know I've taken some time and I've watched other friends of mine get vaccinated or go through covid I have had a handful I I I know personally 
more than 10 people who have died from COVID or who have had strokes, embolisms, heart attacks, long-term effects um, from COVID, things like that. Um, I know several people who are not vaccinated, but, you know, they they don't go to crowded concerts, like, and, and that's cool, too, and they're fine. Um, I know some people who've had it and been pretty sick, but mostly got over it. Um, some people still have issues with, you know, they can't quite smell or taste things, and it's been several months. Um, and I know people who've been vaccinated, and... They had a couple of crummy days of feeling yucky, and that's, I mean, if you understand the science, particularly of mRNA vaccines, like, that's to be expected. It's literally turning on your immune system to react to this thing, Um, and that's how vaccines in general work, whether it's mRNA or not. Um, So so that's pretty generally understood, Um, just on a basic level, like, you don't have to be a virologist to know that. Um, so I took my time and I waited and I watched and I read and I have spoken to my doctors and, um, I'm also at high risk for if I catch COVID, like it it would go very, very badly for me. Um, I have lupus and rheumatoid arthritis and a number of issues. I was, um, I was told about a year ago that I was officially in remission, even though like technically my numbers were here and like to be in remission, they have to be here. But like I was non-symptomatic and didn't need to be in treatment. I was not on any immunosuppressant therapies, anything like that. Um, My immune system was behaving mostly normal. Just like any other polio patient, right? Right. Um, so I've, I've had several conversations with my doctor who is wonderful and just one of the most amazing people in the world. Her name is Andrea Edgerly, and I just want the whole world to know she's the best doctor in the world. Um, and she told me point blank, um, and as well as my rheumatologist, um, and they said there have not really been any studies on the efficacy and the safety of vaccines of for people with um, connective tissue diseases and and autoimmune. Um, I'm currently on just meloxicam for RA, um, and it's just an anti-inflammatory. Nothing um, as far as, like, immunosuppressants. Gotcha. So, um, and I've been super healthy. Like, I've been on a very basic medication regimen, super healthy, doing really well. So she was like, okay, you know, I think that you should be okay to take the vaccine. And so I took it on Tuesday. And I'm already getting out of breath talking. So since Tuesday, I have been, I've I've had a fever of over 101. Um, I have been in the most excruciating pain of my life, which I'm much better now. Um, than I was even 24 hours ago. I didn't think you were going to make the show today. I, I'm I, glad I, you I did. I, I was like, we're going to have to find a sub for Lou. There's no way. Yeah, I, I didn't either. But I thought, you know, especially after the co- some conversations I've had today, like I wanted to express my um, 
uh, I wanted to express my experience, my personal experience yeah. about, you know, people who have autoimmune diseases and autoimmune is not necessarily the same as being immunocompromised. Sometimes we are, sometimes we are not. Um, so, and I think that's where people get mixed up and I, you know, I'm having a horrid reaction. I'll get over it. Like it, but it's horrible. Um, I'm also prone to pericarditis and swelling in the sack around my heart. Um, I have had a stroke, not recently, like this is a long time ago. Um, and I have had three cardiac, three separate cardiac incidences, um, in the last 10 years. And so like, I have a lot of risk factors. And so these are all things that my doctors are aware of. And I still chose to get the shot. They're aware of that, obviously. Um, but the point I wanted to make was I think people need to be very, very cautious when you do have health concerns. Don't just swing through a Walgreens and get a vaccine, right? This is, and I think this is where I get, you know, I've had people go, oh, you're an anti-vaccine. No, I think you probably should definitely get vaccinated if you have health concerns, but do it under the care and supervision of a doctor, particularly a specialist. Um, and I'm glad that I did. And I have been in contact with my doctor. Um, I've weighed the options of going to the emergency room or not. And my level of pain is such that I would prefer to stay home in my bed where I'm comfortable and not being poked and prodded under fluorescent lights at a doctor's office or in the emergency room where my husband can't be with me, you know, but that's a personal choice. There will come a point, you know, I'll know like, okay, I, I need to be in a hospital. Um, for now I'm okay. I'm not great. I'm in a lot of pain. Um, I haven't been able to work, um, since Tuesday and I've had high fevers and pain and you can even see like half of my entire body is swollen. Like one half of my face is like twice as big as the other. Um, I am covered in lesions from this whole thing. It's, it's a nightmare. It's really, truly awful, but I'm not saying don't get a vaccine. I do think you, this shouldn't be something you should just drive through a Walgreens and get though, and assume you're going to be fine. This is not, you know, this is not your flu shot. No. It's not. And it's scary. Um, yeah. It's really scary. So, yeah, that, that was the piece of my mind. I think people need to take it more seriously. Yeah. This, this is the part that drives me up the wall because... The, the, the FDA, the governments all around the world have pitched this as perfectly safe. Um, in the U.S., we have the unique experience to have um, commercials <laughs> for medicine. And we all know the guy that's going, some side effects may occur, including spontaneous genital combustion and other things <laughs> will fall off on you. <laughs> but we, we, we know that's there. We know it's rare, but... We know right. it happens, and it's ridiculous. Now, now, of course, you can say, "Well, it's sample size, you know, is larger. We're finding out more." That's fine. Go ahead and start coming out with more data, which is what, unfortunately, your doctor says there hasn't been a big study. 
here's the part that I don't get on this. Okay. I mean, they have the vaccine uh, hotline you can call if you've had an adverse reaction, which I hope Lou, I hope you did call because um, you are definitely having an adverse reaction. Um, it is totally self-reporting. Uh, yeah. It is totally just kind of, oh, okay, thanks. No follow-up, no anything else. We're spending trillions of dollars fighting COVID, doing all this, and and no one's like keeping an Excel worksheet, anything that they could track and say, where are your symptoms? Where are this? Tell me about your comorbidities that you have. This is very interesting. When did you have the shot? Do you know the numbers? Okay, thank you. And keep track of this. This isn't a hard study to do. This is, this is something that, you know, you could probably get a couple of uh, PhD uh, candidates to run through and, and just keep a running tab. Now, of course, you can always, correlation is not equal causation, but it's pretty damn clear when people like yourself, Eric Clapton, all these other people have had different variants. We're not talking like, oh, it's only Pfizer. Uh, Clapton had the AstraZeneca shot. There's been a host of other people that have had the different jabs and all had an adverse reaction. And the FDA and the governments around the world have all sat on it saying, oh, no, it's perfectly safe. Yes, they're right. From a numbers perspective uh, out of the, I don't know how many billion doses they've been giving, given, yes, 99.999% safe. It's five nines. That's great. Good for them. Uh, that still also means that out of a billion doses, that probably means about a good hundred to 200,000 people got really sick or died. So it's definitely, again, I'm, I'm on the same side of the boat as you, Lou, get the vaccine. I I have had it myself. Um, the, the smooth jazz in your ear is wonderful. I'm Um, really enjoying this Kenny G. Um, yeah, it's, you know, you you know how to change the station though. You just got to pull the ear to just, that's nice. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> but this also is the funny thing that's been going on with the fight internally by the U.S. government and others against possible treatments. And this is not an advertisement for you to go out and get horse paste to stick up your nose, you know, or whatever they're doing with Evermycin. <laughs> but this also says that there should be serious studies on we're seeing this. Now, the great thing is that a lot of ER doctors, especially in the beginning of the pandemic, were talking to each other and saying, you know what? We noticed that we put everybody on a ventilator, they generally die. Um, you know, right. so you kind of, yeah, and that, remember when we were trying to, you know, do a do a Berlin airlift of, of, of uh, ventilators, which now are all in landfills. Thanks a lot for printing all that money for that. Um, yeah. But it's the same thing here. Um, actually, one of the things I used to take, which was uh, recommended by a doctor, is a uh, uh, a, um, a chemical called the uh, N-acetylcysteine, which is a great um, antioxidant uh, that he was taking. He's an ER doctor, respiratory therapist, you know, and he, he does these great videos on COVID since it started. He was taking it um, basically to help him with the symptoms of it. Pretty interestingly, the FDA banned the distribution of this, uh, which, by the way, this was over the counter. You can go get it at a health food store. You could order it on Amazon. FDA banned it beginning of this year that you couldn't suddenly start using it. No known side effects, no, no major issues. It's actually used for when somebody overdoses on acetaminophen. Magically the FDA say, ah, you need to stop selling that. The, the FDA, everybody like kind of has like a thing that they've run into, like a government organization they've run into that have given more problems than anything else. Mm -hmm. Um, For my family, it's been the FDA. Um, and they, they have been so, I, I think they're, they're 
intentional creation of monopolies through certain drugs and prescription drugs and, and whatnot has is it's it's straight up evil it's not backed up by science it is one of those that's inflated the prices 10 to 20 times on each of these drugs in some cases drugs that were even given out for free because they were so cheap and easy to make they monopolized a drug and then all of a sudden it's like something ridiculous like twenty thousand dollars a bottle or something because they know that medicaid will cover it and that's taxpayer money and who cares like it, it is and so i i have various issues with the fda i don't give a rat's butt of what they do and don't approve they've approved stuff that gives kids disabilities and then there's stuff that have no as brian mentioned no known side effects that they've that that have been in use and then got banned i've shared the story of my neighbor who had migraine headaches and they banned the batteries of making the thing that combated her migraine headaches even though it was like the most successful thing in her life um i i it's if there's one organization that has messed up my life personally more than any others it's been the fda um i definitely agree with you there it, it, regarding your situation, Lou, I think here's the scary thing that I find, because I am one of those question askers, that when I search and I was like, are there side, if I just Google right now, are there side effects with the vaccine? I'll get eight .gov or .gov light links that pop up on my browser that says, no, 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 never, never, no. And there's, there's a, even if I get one that's like really honest, it's like, there's real there's a lot of skepticism about those, the people who say that they're getting side effects and, you know, we really should, should doubt their stories. So then what do I do? Well, I realize that the, and like many others, I'm like, well, this is a bunch of, this is propaganda, right? This is taxpayer propaganda. I'm not, I want to, I want to see somebody who gets into the information. So then I get into the YouTube and what do I get in YouTube? It's all evil. It don't have sex with somebody who's had the jab. It'll melt you from the inside out. That's, that's a <laughs> real video. Like, I mean, then you get those other side and I'm like, where does a normal person turn? Like right. I've, I've done what the normal person would do, which is a Google search and then a YouTube search. And both of them give me these polar opposite crazy coins where I'm just like, if I need just some demystified, like honest reporting on this, I, there's just no place to have it. And unfortunately, then where, where I would ordinarily turn to say, hey, I'm having trouble on the Internet, you turn to social media. Yeah, do yeah. not turn to social media to ask questions about this because this has become so politicized and so toxic both in both directions. If you want to lose all of your friends, try to be middle ground on this issue. I oh, mean, yeah. it's just it's they'll, like, they'll start killing each other. It's so, insane so to me. Here. So I right. So I posted about this today and my whole point was like. If you have an autoimmune disease, like, and you're thinking about it, like, just go to your doctor, right? Yeah. And I had someone come on and tell me that I'm anti-vax and spreading misinformation by explaining my personal experience. And then they tried to link me to a study where my doctor, my rheumatologist <laughs> said, there really aren't any good studies on this. And so this guy, who, by the way, is a doctor of osteopath. Um, oh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So okay. <laughs> an OD, not an MD. So he's linked well. me to a study. Right. Um, links me to a study that is all self-reporting of a couple of hundred of different oh. 
Right. Of different people who have different autoimmune diseases. Now, any rheumatologist will tell you in science, like in, in medicine, right, in human medicine, there are two areas where we truly just don't have a clue what we're doing. And that is the brain mm-hmm. and like the immune system. Oh, yeah. We, we right? suck at Rheumatology, both. Like we just don't know. And there are so many different autoimmune diseases and disorders, some that are genetic, some that can be caused from trauma, some that can be caused from allergies, some that can be, you know, some we don't have a clue where they come from, many of which are happen intertwined. I My official diagnosis is multi, um, MCTD. Hang on. Multiple connective tissue disorder. Thank you. It's it's been a really long day. Don't need and to take part of that, that all by yourself. You can literally. <laughs> it's literally that I we have a buffet of different autoimmune diseases that affect us. I am lucky and only have like two kind of three ish. Right, I deal with lupus, rheumatoid arthritis, and then like I have symptoms of other ones, but not so much that any one can be diagnosed right Mm -hmm. so i've had symptoms of chiari malformation where i will have um instances where i have spinal fluid leaking from my brain and it's super fun you know um and that can be common with ehlers-danlos syndrome and things like that just anything that has to do with connective tissue is screwy with me right but my case compared to the next person who has the same MCTD diagnosis is so vastly different. So vastly different. Um, and all autoimmune diseases are like this. There are thousands of different ways and types that they present, and we still don't know. And the only studies right now uh, regarding the vaccine and autoimmune are all self-reporting, and it's a very limited number of people. Many of them have been on specific treatments or not on other treatments. And so then when I have this, oh, what's it? You've all probably seen him, Dement, um, who claims to be a doctor, telling me that I'm spreading propaganda and misinformation. Ooh. And here's this study. And I'm like, I'm going to fix that. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Yeah. Like, yeah. You just called out the called on the witch hunt here. here we oh go. yeah, I well know. you know it's <laughs> absolutely absurd. Well, the, the 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 thing is that not only do you have that, you have all the other people who are suddenly coming to say all vaccines they're trying to turn your kids gay. You know, oh, it's just I, yeah. if that were the case, yeah, bring them on. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but seriously, like I, it blows my mind that someone can't have a personal experience still support the science and say just go to your doctor talk to your doctor and be mindful of personal experience and then i get ripped for being anti-vax which is the stupidest thing i've ever heard because i'm not so i don't know that's where i'm I'm looking at some of this now you're yeah you're getting it from both sides and this is so right and of course when when the common sense responses should be thank you for your experience yeah, we should factor that into the facts, right? Like, or, let's right. incorporate yeah. your experience into 
what we know about it. You know, if your message is geared to the least common multiple of humanity, this is what you get. You get a message that basically says that side's wrong, this side's right, and it just goes back and forth. But right. the, personal what, experience doesn't matter. Because you're you're just such a low number, and that's where libertarians fall into on this with people who like the idea of liberty. We have, you know, this, again, COVID has been a godsend for the liberty movement because a lot of people have now all of a sudden said school choice, dope, you know, all these other things. Yeah, they kind of make sense. Why are we banning them? And now, of course, now we have the battle of, you know, all these other uh, with your your friend, the doctor. Okay. Um <laughs> Who, who right. frankly, is just, yeah, I mean, you're you're questioning a specialist's opinion. Good on you, I buddy. I treated someone with RA. Ooh. You know, here's the funny thing I want to say about doctors and stuff. And yes, I'm a know-it-all idiot. So, uh, you know, I come, <laughs> I, come, I come I come fully armed with Google, ready to question anything. But I do a lot of research on this stuff. And I will say, this is what I've seen. There are good doctors out there who go, we haven't looked at that. That's actually a good thing to look at. I, I ought to look that up. I will tell you the doctors that I do see that really give a crap aren't the ones that are talking to their farm reps. They're sitting there watching and looking at studies and watching videos and procedures and stuff like that. I know one doctor that I know I'm not too thrilled with his bedside manner. He's kind of an ass. But when he did my wife's surgery, I was watching him and he was watching someone else do another surgery similar but he was trying to learn and how to do better. And frankly, I applaud that. I don't care if he's an asshole, but as long as he does the job really well, good, yes. good on him. So yeah, to, to our, to our doctor here on, on, on Lauren's page, nothing against you. Uh, I'm sure that you're coming, trying to come from a right place, but uh, I might want to defer to the specialist in this point. So. Yeah. Um, guys be cool to each other, accept yeah. each other's experiences. Okay. Um, Brian, piece of your mind. Last week, Lou was talking about the tragic death of uh, Mercedes Lane, who's an 11-month-old girl here in Indiana, uh, who was repeatedly abused and then murdered, uh, apparently, by uh, her caregivers. They have since pled not guilty um, and are awaiting trial, obviously. Uh, no one is guilty until they've been tried by a jury of the peers or the judge, etc. However, the evidence is pretty uh, substantial, barring something silly. That's what's going to happen here, most likely. That being said, Indiana is also being famous this week because we had a missing girl out of Syracuse, Indiana, which is relatively close by as well, to Plymouth, uh, who has been missing since April. 14-year-old girl that was uh, missing from her home went down to the school bus. Every parent's worst nightmare uh, they never made it to the bus. They never made it to school. Where did she go? She surprisingly turned up uh, just this last week uh, in Florida in the care of her grandmother and aunt who were hiding her from this national hunt, including being on John Walsh's show, uh, calling for her to be found. Um, now, both cases, you would say, well, look, in one job, that one case, the DCS and the other and society did a terrible job of not protecting Mercedes Lane. In the other case, hey, we did a great job finding the grandmother and who had her and took her back, but it's not as clear cut as that. Um, the 14-year-old girl apparently went willingly with her grandparents. There's a history of abuse in the family. DCS has been involved. And once again, you know, that 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 kind of that little line that we have to run, unfortunately, between parents' rights and the rights of children. Um, and the child did not want to go back home. 
Uh, there's a purported letter that's out there that has not been validated yet. I have a feeling it may be authentic, but it's again one of those things that we'll see what happens. Uh, the grandmother and the aunt have been charged, I believe, at this point and are in jail. Um, but I think this is going to be a really interesting case to see once again where the DCS, and I'm not blaming all DCS workers, and I'm not blaming everybody in the state of Indiana's DCS, but once again, the ball got dropped on something really terrible going on where a grandmother and an aunt would risk their freedom and, and the rest of their lives away from their family in order to keep somebody safe, hopefully. Um, there are crazy people out there. There is such things parental alienation, but I don't think this is the case in this one. And judging by the outpouring of questions and things like that from society, from you know social media, which, no, that's not based in reality, but it, it does at least give you a little bit of direction. Looking at that, looking at this, once again, DCS has screwed up twice. Uh, once where we've lost a child and one where a child wanted to be lost. And it's the big question of how, why, why does this keep happening? Um, we can say that it's a 1% type of thing, but seeing a child die and seeing another one escape, um, trying to avoid whatever abuse they were going through, it, it's time to really take another look at the system. This isn't endemic to just Indiana. This is, this is all over the country. Social workers do not want to go into the D, into the DCS system simply because it is so political and it is so narrow-minded. So I, I'm I am still as a foster former foster parent, adoptive parent, looking for some ways to make the system better. Um, but I think it has to come from outside at this point. Uh, looking at the current systems like that, they're all ingrained with politics and petty tyrants who want to control people's lives and want to give. Um, wanted to go basically the path of least resistance. Um, unfortunately, you need sometimes a dead body and to get them to do something, and occasionally you need a girl uh, missing to get them to hopefully do their job this time. So once again, DCS, it, it's time to have a really deep look at what's going on and how this needs to change. It's not simply a, we screwed up, sorry. It's a, this keeps happening, what are we going to do to make things better? And how can we in the liberty movement help that? And, and I know we'd like to say that, well, society, people would pick it up and things like that. Unfortunately, in both cases, no one helped Mercedes Ling in, in her home that knew in her home or in the hotel she was staying knew that were they suspected abuse. And no one helped this girl who escaped from her mother and uh, stepfather, I believe. Um, who wanted to leave and was told that she had to go back. Yeah, that was a really awful, I mean, and I, I read the letter um, yeah. and again, like we don't, uh, obviously we don't know if it's real or not, but from, I, from what I gather, it seems to be. It, um, it, and she talks about being in school and doing well and all of these things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the one of the articles I saw about her being found was, you know, oh, she was found safe and her parents were on their way down to Florida. And then I see the letter and I'm like, maybe we don't send the parents down to Florida. Yeah, maybe we just find someone else who we think can maybe care for her for just a little bit while we sort this out. Yeah. Um, from a liberty perspective, you know, we like to see children as, you know, we want the government not to intervene, 
But there are these times where there are people who are terrible parents um, who are causing significant damage to these children, whether physically or mentally. And we've got to have a way to be able to address this. Um, I, I would love to see something where it's where we in, you know, in, in a community and things like that would step up. But I can also imagine that do you really want to step up to the guy who's beating his um, sorry, I had a bug there. Um, anyhow, um, but would you really want to be the person to step up to the guy who may have a shotgun pointed at your head? Um, we take right. our children very seriously. So that's kind of where it's almost, you know, it's kind of where, you know, the minarchist in me kind of kicks in and says we need to do better somehow. I, I can't see a way where there isn't some sort of where there is, you know what, this is going on. We need to do something. Someone who's been the benefactor, I guess I'll say of um, a couple different families having their parental rights terminated. Um, don't get me wrong. My adult children may occasionally disagree, but I think their lives turned out for the better. And I don't think any of them regret us having that happen. So the, you know, I think with, it's tough because, you know, if it's anarchist, then it's like, we just basically are saying kidnap whoever, if you think they, they're something's going on. Were, go ahead were any apples right? stolen? Let me just ask that question first. <laughs> were any <laughs> apples stolen during that time? Right. And then, and then you're in some serious trouble, you know? And so I, I understand wanting the system, but the system, I think it, it's beyond saving. Brian, you even may remember this um, a couple of years ago when they were talking about maybe we should send social workers to like, you know, nonviolent cases, you know, and just and have them armed or whatever. And I was like, yeah. oh, sure. And everybody in the chat was like, man, I've had enough like contacts with like the social workers and CPS yeah. and DCS that, I don't trust them to do it any more than the police officers currently. And the right. more I, and, and I am, I am actually shocked by how many people are affected by this. Um, I never, I, I'm completely outside of this. Uh, my parents divorced, but I was like, I was like 20 at the time and it was no, nobody was abusive. Yeah. I, my brothers are great parents. I, I have no, no contact with this, but the people that have had contact with it, it wrecks their lives and it is crony as hell. And I am really, I am, I am shocked. I mean, even, you know, and I've talked about that Ted talk before from, um, um, about the foster care system in Baltimore, how she, the first thing she noticed is we're like, well, so we have an incentive to take away kids and feed them through this because we get money for doing this. And if yeah. we don't, we just lose money and put ourselves out of business. So of course we're going to take away kids. We're going to default to taking away kids. We're, we're not, we have no incentive to fix this up. We have no incentive even to make it better. In fact, we have incentive to keep them in the system. And it's, it's rough because I do think there is a, there is a point. I, I guess I will say this as far as the philosophical anarchist perspective, just be very careful about where this ends up. You may have a right to take somebody else's kid, but is this going to end well? You know what I mean? Like, and, yeah. and, and I, and I understand like, even from the bottom of your heart, if this kid is being raped, they need to leave if, if whatever is happening. I'm just saying like, make sure your bases are covered when this happens. Like this needs to be a certain, this needs to be a last resort kind of thing. This needs to be fully investigated. You need to be absolutely sure of what's going on and that this is the right thing to do because I mean, and this is the problem with monopolies on anything. I, we have no other, I, I, I have no means of saying, okay, does the CPS data match 
does the family services data match this these these people's investigation into it? Does it match when I sent a you know some kind of private service that looked into it? Mm-hmm. You know, do these things sync up? No, there's one source of information, and if they don't want to do anything, or if they do want to do something, and sometimes you know, like the opposite of foster care, they won't do anything when they really should have, even when there's like a whole community, even when there's overwhelming information that that something needed to happen they're like well that's got to be on the back burner people are just kind of a little too busy right now it's like well this is what the mercedes lane is a good example of what people being too busy right now looks like it's just this is nobody got to it and then and now we're here and it's really sad i mean i just i I think because (laughs) i don't have any expert information all i can give you is my my feelings on this issue obviously this is a very I think much like the FDA in my life, if the, when CPS has affected people in this way, um, yeah, that's that's got to be a priority to get it changed, to tear it down, build something new. I, I'll work with a minarchist in this one. Build something new because it has to be different. You know, well, like, yeah. <laughs> converted, converted. No, I, work I with think I genuinely don't have an answer for this one. Like, yeah. I don't know because I. And again, like Hody, I I don't have a personal um, experience with any sort of CPS, you know, DFS. I don't know any of that. Like, I just don't. But I've seen, you know, a broad spectrum of, I guess, in some ways, like I did work in dispatch in 911. So I do have, I've heard stories, right, from social workers and and officers that we've sent on calls and things like that. But the broad spectrum of everything from this was overlooked or they overacted and basically kidnapped a child and then, you know, but they missed this one, then this child got murdered, like and everything in between and then it's like the good stories seem to be very few and that makes me so sad and i don't know the answer to this i don't know how you fix a system like that i don't know how you truly investigate you know all i mean obviously there are obvious cases of abuse and things that can easily be investigated and verified but there are you know when we talk about what goes on behind closed doors like it goes on behind closed doors you can ask all the questions you want to ask but like what kind of an investigation can you really truly do and what is preemptive enough and what is too preemptive and i don't know those things terrify me the thought of those things terrify me and i don't have an answer there is a little beacon of hope, and this is where I kind of get into it. Um, there, there is the guardian ad litem process, where a a a legal, um, you know, whether you want an attorney or a caseworker is assigned to a child as a third party, and writes up a report based on information and and basically just gathers the facts. It's outside the police department, it's outside DCS, um, and it, it gives a kind of a neutral third party. DCS, as you said, Hody, is incented to either rip kids out or ignore the reports because it just means more paperwork for them. But guardian ad litem in most cases, or, or um, you may hear them as the, the CASA um, court appointed special advocates, they can go in and um, do an investigation, usually with the agreement of both parents. It's kind of like the, um, how do I want to say this? It, it's like going to um, uh, uh, 
Oh, I can't think of it when you when you don't go to court here. Jeez, a mediation um, for that, and they can usually get to the. But the problem is that the guardian ad litem process and the cost process can be politically influenced. Um, these groups are usually run by organizations which have very close ties to DCS, work with them on a daily basis. Uh, it's a very friendly relationship. It's not adversarial. Um, and we know what happens with friendly relationships uh, between non-government entities and the government. Uh, basically, it's becoming a, a, you know, a finger of the government. So it's Correct one of the things. I'm wrong, but don't people like the parents or whomever, like, isn't it often a, a cost prohibitive situation it, it, as well? It can be um, as far as like getting something like that done because it does cost money. Um, but that's where the government should be stepping up and saying, you know what, this is a good, this is a good reason to take a look into this. Um, let's go ahead and have it done. Uh, I will tell you, police um, are not prepared for this type of work. I, and this has been a long time ago. I know our police in the town that I live in have gotten much better training. When my child was having a episode and we were talking about dealing with reactive attachment disorder. And the question I got is, is that like ADHD? Jesus. It's like saying I have a head cold. Oh, is, is I have is that like cancer? Well, actually the other way around. I I I have cancer. Is that like a head cold? Yeah, exactly. But I'm not gonna blame them because they didn't have the training at the time. And so there's there's a lot more training now. This is back in the early 2000s. So we have a way to do this. There are processes that we have already in place. It's just that we need to kind of root out all the crap that goes on in DCS. Um, every county that I've known and worked with uh, in the area, and I'm not going to throw people under the bus. I've not worked with them recently, um, but in the last few years, I know people that have. And it's not been a good experience. Um, not being the parent that's taking, you know, having their kids removed, but people who are working in the foster system and things like that. There's a reason why there's all these want foster parents, want foster parents. Yes, the job is insanely difficult, but the reason we left is because we got tired of dealing with DCS. So it it has a way um you're it weeds out good people. Yeah, <laughs> it does. Terrifying thing. It's like the cops that like didn't want to give meaningless tickets are always the ones that end up leaving. And so that's kind of mm -hmm. when you know you've got a system that it's like, okay, there might be a good cop, but they keep getting weeded out. So what's what's the problem here? You know, when we got, mm -hmm. you know, DCS. And you just say like, okay, like the people I know who are good people who genuinely are passionate about this and want to take care of people, mm -hmm. they're the ones getting the boot. They're the ones not welcome. And that's, that's terrifying. You know, my, <laughs> that's my, my daughter's getting her master's in social work. I'm insanely proud of her. She just started this last week. So wow. uh, I, Crystal, I love you, kiddo. You're killing it. Um, yeah. Yeah. She's doing it. But the one thing I want to say is that she had an offer from the state that she lives in, uh, from DCS. They'll pay for your MSW. All you have to do is promise to work for them for two years. And then they pay for it. I mean, they pay the whole thing. Boom. Yeah, gone. Man. Yeah, that's a great that deal. That is tempting. Yeah. That is tempting. And, and I hate know, it when that's tempting. Oh, yeah, it's tempting. Yeah, no one takes the offer. Maybe a couple people do. No one takes the offer. No one wants to work for DCS for two years. It'll suck the life out of you. Yeah, especially... It, yeah that fresh into your career yeah yeah like, so it's like yeah i'll take the obnoxious amounts of student debts as opposed to working for dcs for two years which i mean they pay you and everything else everything's great but two years it's all we need for you boom gone hey you got your msw Woo. yeah no Ugh. um 
Everybody, thank you so much for tuning into the podcast today. I, I appreciate uh, everything you had to say. Lou, thanks for trooping it out as always. Brian, uh, yeah, tremendous insights as always. I, I really love, I look forward to this day every week talking with you both. <laughs> um, I do want to say, if you are listening to this live or anywhere around the end of August, uh, Hurricane Ida did just land in New Orleans. If you know wow. anybody there, I just read it knocked out all power to the city. So yep. this is... Um, her uh, Hurricane Katrina was category three. Ida is category four. I did hear that it lost a little bit more wind than Katrina did, uh, but I mean, again, uh, you're comparing. You're, you're talking about two very tremendous forces of nature that could hurt a lot of people. So just uh, keep anybody you know in Louisiana in your thoughts. Uh, it's it's amazing. It's 45 years away or 45 miles away, the landfall. And it's exactly 16 years to the day when they hit. Yeah. So it's a uh, wow. Yeah, I, I remember where I was when Katrina hit because we had to do some really incredible work that uh, the next few days because uh, to keep broadcasting up. But uh, it's hitting in a similar manner where it's pushing the storm surge right into New Orleans. Yeah. It's, so it's going to yeah. be it's going to be powers out, and I'm expecting to see more alerts coming up here in the next couple hours. Yeah, yeah. Just, I was watching just before the show started. Um, it was like an hour time lapse from different cameras, and it went from like you know some rain and wind to six eight feet of water. Yeah, on the ground. But, like, but that's also one thing I want to talk about. That's still the forgotten thing that happened in Tennessee. They had the exact same thing happen with a storm that parked over and dumped seventeen inches in uh, up near Clarksville, Tennessee, in that area. Yeah. And we still have so many missing. And that was like side footnote news uh, for CNN and everybody else. They blamed it more on climate. And I'm going, I I get the climate perspective, but there's more people dead than can we the find earth. some people first yeah, yeah. Right. Well, like, we save were, the political they, chat for later and go find yeah. bodies well the other thing was this they were talking about the horrors of the power being out in connecticut because there was a hurricane hitting up there if you recall um right. the power was out lines were down and i'm going 33 plus people are dead and missing from a flash flood that wiped houses off and yeah. pulled them off and it was kind of, oh, yeah, that happened, too. So when you sit there and wonder about the people in flyover country, why they don't trust the media. Yeah. Might be part of it. Just, just uh, anyhow, if you know anybody from the area, please keep them in your religious or atheist prayers and thoughts, uh, whatever they may be. We, we care about you. Uh, any of my enemy, obviously, our hearts are with you as well. Please make make some informed good decisions uh if you're anywhere down there just just be smart about things be safe be proactive and uh, we hope for the best uh thank you so much for tuning into this episode we look forward to seeing you next week everybody love you very much and have an excellent evening